Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of MGR Unplugged. I'm here with David. Uh, we're fully pretty loaded today with uh, a lot of topics. Um, it's amazing how many things happen in a week, even where nothing is happening. Um, we have uh, we actually have a topic that we forgot to discuss last week with uh, Quibi. And then, uh, obviously, we're going to have some um, coronavirus updates. Not so much on the disease itself, but uh, on the economic uh, updates. And then... Um, uh, we'll discuss a little more things about uh, stimulus packages and uh, pretty much everything in between. So um, let's get started. None of you people can tell me to stop. Lower the lights down. Hand over my crown. Hand over my heart. I do this for my town. I do this for my crowd. So turn me up real loud. My time. My time. None of you people can tell me to stop. All right, welcome back. I was having a little conversation with David during the break um, about how fast um, days are going now, even though we don't have a whole lot of things going on. But uh, uh, how, how, how are this going for you? Yeah, see, to me, I don't think the days are necessarily going faster. Obviously, they literally are not going faster. Time did not, the continuum did not change. All right, there's no into physics now. But... Uh, no, I mean, because when you're busy working, days can fly by too. But I, to me, it's more of the days and weeks all just blend together. Right. Yeah. Maybe like, that's like what it I is. think a lot of people have been like, "Oh, it's the weekend. Okay. Yeah. Same I'm thing. just home. <laughs> There's no difference." Like, no, I know. I know. It, it just to me they go fast, but it's a, it's a different routine. Now I was actually thinking yesterday. Obviously, I had a different routine where we were like in the normal normal days of work and afternoons, evenings, you know, things that I do usually in the afternoons, I go out of have a coffee, maybe do some research, do a lot of reading, writing, things like that. Now, basically everything I do at home. So I need to be a little more disciplined into, okay, I'm working and obviously I'm working a lot of projections and things that we can do and trying to plan for the future. But then, yeah, I still do quite a bit of reading in the evenings. And I don't know. I mean, I just feel like, but then I'm also doing a lot of other projects that I wanted to do. I'm working a lot on my car. I'm working on the, you know, the yard things. Everybody has like more projects that they are now, you know, have an excuse to say, I don't have time to do right. that. You know, like for me personally, what I've been doing is, uh, you know, obviously it's not like, you know, we're still working, but uh, it's the load is less than it was mm -hmm. uh, previously. And so, uh, what I've been doing is saying, okay, I want to read more and I want to, uh, kind of do, I don't know how you say it in a personal development, but I hate that. Yeah. I yeah, hate yeah. that term. Self-improvement. Yeah. I, I hate that term, but I just want to basically, you know, I always used to mentally kind of tell, give myself the excuse of, oh, I don't have enough time to read and learn and do right. all these things. And so now what I've been doing is treating that as like, okay, so during the day now, I will literally say, okay, if I'm not working on work work, then I have to, I can't just waste that time. I'm going to spend that time. I'm going to spend uh, an hour reading and then another hour researching this thing that I wanted to learn about or th things like that. So that it's, even though I'm not doing my normal work. I'm still kind of being more regimented and saying, right. I'm going to use this time productively. And you, it's actually been pretty good, honestly. Do you feel like it's getting to a point where people are just kind of like, I wouldn't say fed up, even though a lot of people are pretty much fed up with this situation, but like people are going to say, what the fuck? I mean, summer is coming. 
And obviously in Arizona, it's going to get hot, but in other places where the weather is being cool and all that, it's starting to be nice. People like to go outdoors and everything, that they're just kind of lowering their guard a little bit and saying, you know, it is what it is. I just need to live my life because I they think, start thinking that. I think, uh, I think fed up is, a, I don't know. I mean, yeah, obviously no one likes to be like just trapped at home all day, 24 uh, seven, kind of indefinitely because no one really knows when we're going to go back to normal again. But I think also that is a bit selfish or very selfish in my opinion, because it's one thing. One thing is if you're fed up because, oh, I lost my job. And now I don't know how to pay the bills and I want things to reopen because I work in retail or at a restaurant or whatever. That's different. I totally understand. But like, like for me, okay, you know, we can work from home. Like, obviously, uh, we're impacted. Everybody's impacted. But, you know, I'm not worried about making rent like a lot of people are, you know. And so for me, even though selfishly, it's like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, I'd like life to go back to normal. Um, I just put things in perspective and be like, you know what? I have it much better than a lot of people, so I'm not going to complain about anything. And, and I, if if the hardest thing about this for me is that, oh, okay, I, I uh, can't go out as much as I want to, but as far as my regular life, I don't have like but, major right, financial right. burdens and stuff, <clears throat> then I don't think I have room to complain. But it's not just the, uh, obviously, the financial aspect is a key factor for, obviously, I mean, just this morning, they... Announced five and a half more million filings for unemployment, which brings the total tally to about 22 million already now um, in just four weeks. So that's a huge number of people that have lost their jobs in four weeks, basically, when they were perfectly confident right. four weeks ago that their jobs were fine because the economy There's was how many well. workers in the U.S.? About 180 million, roughly? Uh, yeah, 60, 80, yeah. Something and like so that. there's like 180 <clears throat> million. Obviously, I think. The official is 160, and then they say unofficially 180, Ooh, but yeah. it's hard to tell. But let's call it 180 million. But 22 if, million. If 22 million. But that's those are the, those basically, are, what is that, like 13% and 12%? Yeah, but that now? is just the ones that have filed for unemployment. Now, there's there might be other people that are actually unemployed that they haven't even filed for unemployment, which are not even part of the number. But the bottom line is that we have a fifth of the uh, U.S. workforce right now, if not more, that is unemployed and either relying on unemployment or basically, uh, you know, they don't have any source of income other than government aids and things like that. So uh, that's the thing. I mean, financially is, is a big, you know, challenge for everybody. But at the same time, you know, you start hearing that, you know, Trump supposedly today is going to unveil the plan for reopening the economy or the country, whatever you want to call it, which obviously relies on the different governors and the different states, but he's going to set the guidelines and then he's going to reconvene which is each with each uh, governor of each state because he's one, you know, each state has different um, situations within their state um, and then see how it can happen. But uh, he's also gathering people from different industries, as you know, from sports, from business, from this and that, trying to see how it can happen. But the bottom line is that I don't think, mentally, I don't think people can survive if they are confined for 60, 90, basically, indefinitely, with no end in sight. I think you start having getting into a lot of mental issues where can, people... can I say something? 
and this is going to be a little controversial. People are going to not be happy, but I think people are fucking soft. Okay. And I'm not talking about, like I said, if you're a doctor or a nurse on the front lines, or if you're someone who's been laid off and you have no idea how you're going to make your rent, I have a hundred percent sympathy for you. Totally understand. But like, the people who are like working from home and like their life is mostly I'm normal, saying, yeah. but they're like, okay, I have to work from home now and I can't go out. And, and they're like talking about how it's traumatic. Like I hear the word trauma thrown around. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not Can referring. Can we calm down no. with the word trauma? I, I see that every day. Yeah. Like you're not a fucking war vet. Okay. Calm down. You had to work from home for two months. Oh my God. So sorry. And I know that's not the politically correct thing to say, but I just think people are really soft. Like, okay, life isn't always going to be perfect and easy. You still have it better than 99% of the world. So be grateful for what, what the position that you're in. I mean, but I don't that, know. That's, that's thing. my view. I, 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 um, I, I don't sympathize at all with people that are working from home. They have, they're saying, okay, I'm bored at home, but I have Netflix, Amazon Prime, computers, Wi-Fi, whatever. I mean, in a different house or that's not my issue. My, I'm, I'm talking about like all the people that are now unemployed or even have six or right. Whatever. But but what I was saying was you said like sixty ninety days like <clears throat> at home. Like it depends how, what type of at home it is for you. Yeah, if it's at home and you have no job and you're you're literally like I don't know how I'm gonna pay my bills next month or this month. That's different. But a lot of people are not necessarily in that position and they're just basically at home, whatever. And they're like crying about it and i just yeah i mean to me it's like okay guys let's no i understand let's let's I understand. harden up a little uh, you know we're okay? going before through uh you know we're a different generation that in the last pretty much 50 years haven't been through any major crisis right um, nobody uh, around crisis. we haven't nobody been through alive any wars or really any... been through anything super hard basically on a global level obviously people have their individual issues that of course but most people just and it's it's fine that's a good thing right we live in a especially like in the modern world it's different but like if you live in the u.s or canada or europe australia you know life's been pretty good for 50 years plus and you know i was listening to a podcast with uh joe rogan and eric weinstein and eric weinstein said exactly kind of weinstein is it weinstein yes okay sorry <laughs> weinstein um and uh, I recommend people listen to it. It's really good. But he said it kind of exactly what I was thinking, which is that he says, we've been in a 75-year nap since World War II, where things have just been really good. We haven't had any major wars. Yes, there have been some. There's been Cold Wars, but nothing like World War II, obviously, where 100-plus million people died. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had record levels of growth for many, many years. I mean, things have just been good. You know, poverty has gone way down in the modern world. Crime rates way down. Basically, things have been really good for a long time. And that's a good thing. But it also has put people in a position, or even myself, right? Like, I think, I don't know. I think I've, I'm better adapting than a lot of people by yeah, age. Yeah, we become but, soft. We, we but, like, know. I've never experienced anything like this. Now, I always try to put things in perspective. That's why I don't like to complain about anything because I'm in a very fortunate position compared to most. So I don't want to complain about anything. Uh, but I've never been in through anything like this either. I mean, even even you who are of a different generation, you've been through more recessions than I have, but you haven't been in through anything like this. You know, no one has, basically. No one has. And I just think... Well, the, the difference is that... In this case, first of all, it's more global. 
And right. Secondly, we said before, it didn't start from a financial bubble or anything like that. But secondly, is that there doesn't seem to be enough progress fast enough. Like there's no, yeah, we can see the curve and we're getting better and the, all these I, press I conferences. I also think that's a symptom though of like, we live in the, you know, quote unquote instant economy. Yeah. Where we're used to things happening like this. I buy something online. It's here tomorrow. I, all those things. And with a pandemic, it's like, listen, the plague ravaged Europe for 200 years. Okay. They had in, in Europe, they've gone through 20 year quarantines before. 20 years. Yeah, no, like, I understand. Pandemics don't just go away. Now, but obviously, people don't like, uh, but I don't think people uh, feel better knowing that, oh, times were tougher back in the day. So, I mean, you can go. Yeah, obviously, you know. obviously, that's not, you, you always want to say, what can we do? Right. But at the same time, this idea of like, oh, 30 days and we're back to normal, it's like, okay, that's just not real. That's just not reality. Right. You know, and unfortunately, it is a pandemic. It's like, it's like the, if a government says, wouldn't be in lockdown for 45 to 60 days. People will be like pulling their hair. And that's why no government in any country, right, no. I don't care which one you go to, will say that. They'll say two-week uh, confinement. Right. And uh, they go in two-week intervals. Nobody, no government and, has and said. They and know, they know from the beginning because all the scientific information there says that in two weeks that nothing is going to change. You don't even have enough time to do testing or anything. No government has said the truth, which is this will likely last until September. Not like full, full, full lockdown how we have it, but as far as most things being shut down and things reopening, I mean, I think we're looking at September. And so, but no government would say that. I'm, I'm coming to a insane. point where, where I'm looking at as many different sources as I can. And, you know, I'm not the kind of person that only hears what I want to hear, you know, like, like only listens to sources that tell me what I want to hear. You know, I like to get a get a wide variety of opinions, good, bad ones, whatever I can think myself. But even now, I don't know who's right. I'm not saying that they're hiding the truth. Is that everybody, even doctors, scientists, virologists, um, from the wide community, Europeans, Americans, you name them, and uh, they all have a different opinion of how this will be coming to an end, if ever. Because now they're saying that maybe it comes back in cycles, like the flu and other stuff. And then when the vaccine is ready, which is right. still like a year away, and, it will be merged. And the other the thing that people, that a lot of people are not gauging for is that it's not just what the government is mandating or saying. It's also what people feel comfortable doing. Right. I saw a poll that says two thirds of people say that even if the lockdown ends, that they don't plan on traveling this year because they just don't want to risk it. They don't feel safe traveling. Uh, there was another poll that was, I think, 62% of Americans said that uh, they don't feel comfortable attending a sporting event for the next six months, things like that, where that before it's like, basically people are like, you know what? I don't want to be on a plane. I don't want to be in a crowded stadium. You know, I can, it sucks, but I'll push my vacation to next year. What Like a lot of people are just saying, you know what? For 2020, well, maybe good, I won't. Well, that's a good point because I remember. So even if it reopens, say September, October re reopen, that doesn't mean that people are just going to start traveling and going to no. stadiums and all that. No, I right. Don't think and I'm so. sure there will be some kind of regulation saying how many people can attend, and we, you know we discuss the uh, the. But health like I said, I don't think thing. it's just even 
the government, because even if the government, even if the government came in uh, 30 days from now and said, hey guys, everything's good to go. You can go back to sports. Like, listen, I'm a big basketball fan. I love the Suns. I would not be going to but a Suns game next Forget month. sports and recreation. Talk about work. I mean, if you're a, you're a teacher, you're a college, yeah. well, college teacher, lots of schools university. have already said, we're not opening this year. Not semester year. Like, the fall semester in fall 2020, we're not going to open. We'll reopen 2021. They've already said that. Right. So so if, if, if they say, okay, yeah, uh, this college is open, and then you have a classroom, I mean, there's going to be like, like one thing you just reminded me of is when, when we had the 9-11, the, uh, the terrorist attack, there were a lot of things that were implemented after that that are still exist. You well, know, that's a different discussion. Yeah, yeah it's a different, but uh, there's a different, diff there are things that were implemented back then in terms of security, um, especially travel security and travel checks and things like that. And obviously um, a whole different spectrum of anti-terrorist research and everything. But as far as travel, they started implementing new methods for screening passengers and everything that has become commonplace now. I mean, before that, you didn't have to go through all these, you know, uh, pat-downs and basically X-ray scanners and everything that we do now, which is pretty common worldwide for any travel. Um, so... Well, you think like even, uh, I remember you don't even, take your temperature every time you go to the airport for now? Well, pretty much. I mean, I'm thinking that now, in addition to the security things that we want, because I remember when the shoe bomber or something happened that they started asking people to take off their shoes before it wasn't something that you had to do. Right. That was added later on because of that, that thing that happened, that the guy had, that had a bomb in his shoe. So now everybody has to take their shoes and put the shoes also through the x-rays and all that stuff. So now with this health issue, we may have to go, you were talking about traveling, that people say, oh, I'm not going to get on a plane. Well, you may go on a plane and be perfectly safe. Maybe they have to allocate, start checking people, check your temperature. They put you in a little thermometer thing and say, okay, you have a fever. I know when I travel, I know people that are sick around me. I just try to stay away. I mean, obviously, it's not the virus, but uh, it'll be flu. It'll be something. You right, see people are sniffing. Oh, yeah, I mean. It's uh, very common. Lots of people get sick when they travel just because... No, but no get sick when they travel. They travel already being sick. Like, I've been or with Or, like, like I've been traveling not sick at all, and then I'm come in contact, whether it's at the airport or oh, yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. and yeah. then I get sick, basically, after I travel. Yes, that yes, that's, that's even more common. But I'm talking about when you actually get on a plane, right, and, and you know, are already sick. I have sick. a business trip scheduled. And then I'm that morning. I wake up with a bit of a cold. It's like, okay, well, I'm just gonna still right. go. I'm not gonna or, or a fever trip. or something. You say, okay, well, bad luck, whatever. I'm gonna have to. Right. But nobody screens you for that. Right. Well, now they may start screening you for a fever and saying they put a little thermometer and you are with more than a certain number or degrees or about normal. They say, sorry, you can't travel. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. you know that that kind of thing. I mean, who knows? That's the minimum effect the yeah, other I, one no i know that's the other effect topic. is that they actually do a quick test that they call where they do a little yeah prick, i don't take like your that. blood i don't well, give well, my... nobody likes anything yeah but that's a we're gonna start taking people's blood when they go to the airport now i don't know what if what if it happens i mean will you stop traveling i mean it's just a health check i mean i will feel comfortable i mean no but that's how that's how Invasion of privacy and yeah. all this stuff. I understand. They already make well, you go through X-ray scanners okay, and patch well, you down. All right. So, so let me let me ask you something. When you do a TSA, the Transportation and Safety Authority or something, the basically TSA check, 
where they, you have to go through all the whole thing. And then you have the TSA pre-check, which basically allows you to be screened before. So you go through the fast pass type thing at the airport. They You, you submit all the information, the TSA uh, cross-references with FBI, some of the stuff, they say, okay, this is a, a safe passenger. So you go fast and you don't have to do all the screening normal uh, process that everybody goes through. So now we can have a, for, forget about TSA, maybe it's part of TSA, but it will be the health SA or whatever, where you have to go through a health check and commit to a certain health procedure so you get this and you get your health check ID or something. So you go through and they say, okay, this commits this. And you, you voluntarily may say, yes, I, I will submit myself to a check um, 24 hours before travel. I mean, would you like to be next to a guy that may have it? Because, I mean, that's the thing. You say it's selfish for people to say, oh, I want to go out and I'm superhuman. I'm not going to have it. But maybe you, you're asymptomatic no. and you can no. do somebody I else. Mean, no, I mean, listen, look, it's always the debate of it's, just, it's no different than TSA as it is now, where it's like you say, oh, it's an invasion of privacy that they x-ray you and pat you down and all that. But obviously, is that worth the trade off of like, OK, well, what if someone brings a bomb on your plane? Well, exactly. So that's why they do it. There's arguments on both sides. Right. I mean, when I they were doing the full body scan, remember there was a lot of privacy issues and somebody seeing you naked. Honestly, my biggest problem that. with that isn't even the naked part. I don't really care that much about that. Is the fact that it literally gives you x-ray radiation and they yeah. make you do it. Yeah. And it's like... If, like, you, if you travel ra randomly, it's not a big deal, but if you are a frequent traveler. Yeah, but if you're like you know, traveling all the time and you're yes. going, that adds up. That it's not different that you go always doing x-rays in a doctor or in your mouth right. or whatever. Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I don't have an answer. I mean, I know I don't they, either. Like, I don't think the government has it either. Obviously, I I am afraid that a lot of and a lot of people have said this, this isn't just my thought that uh, governments around the world are going to start using this to grab even more power, and just in the same way, you know, a lot of people have talked about basically that that there may need to be a uh, quote-unquote Patriot Act that we had after 9-11 yeah. for the coronavirus. And I certainly disagree. Yeah, I think that's a little too extreme. And, and that's something that we had in the U.S. I'm not sure each country probably have their own version of a Patriot Act or something. But I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's every time you go to a crowded event, like you mentioned, and it could be sporting event, it could be um, arts, uh, festivals, whatever, um, this has to be something that when you have a, like before coronavirus, you're sitting next to a person that is coughing or sneezing or whatever, and you're like, oh, whatever, you know, like kind of try to stay away or something. But now it's like you hear somebody coughing next to you and you're like, mm, you're, you're, you're more suspicious, you know. So either, either we develop this kind of um, herd immunity down the road where everybody's being over it and it's like, it's like, I don't know, like chicken pox or whatever. It's like, okay, yeah. Right, or there's a vaccine. Yeah, or there's a vaccine or something, you know. So, but in the meantime, I don't know how this will be affecting. Um, I, I'm not so concerned actually about, you know, like hotels and things. I think, I think hotels can get, um, they can adapt, you know, to, to travelers that are going to hotels with extra hygienic uh, measures and distancing and, obviously room cleanliness and all these things that make the traveler feel more confident. And when you go to a hotel, really it's like, like a home away from home and you can, you know, you can ask, Hey, well, so the moment I come in here, don't, don't touch my room. 
I'll, I'll make my own bed, whatever, you know. Uh, don't That's chase, what I like doing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't chase my sheets, nothing. I don't want anybody to come in. I mean, but hotels have a lot of things to to that they can do to to make make the guests feel comfortable that they are safe because they are also separated and you you only mingle when you want to but if you want to stay in a hotel do work uh go to the pool play golf whatever all that stuff is not it's not going to affect you now traveling for example i personally don't like to travel just because i'm squeezed there with other passengers okay but that. what do you think they should do well i mean i i think I wouldn't be opposed to some kind of a health check, to be honest. What does um, that mean? Like, okay, you go when you go to the airport, you gotta, we're gonna finger prick you and we're gonna test your blood for the coronavirus and these other fifteen. No, I don't strains. think the airport is the place because it will be like super, super slow. For I mean, right now TSA sometimes it's like huge lines just to go through all the whole security, but they may say we need you to go to a. Again, it's, it's part of the testing being available. And when the test becomes readily available, the quick test, um, then there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to get a test and have it certified or something and just go through a drive-through 24 hours earlier and say, okay, you have the antibody test or the uh, uh, immunity test, okay, whatever. What and then this? you have a test and then you have your certificate saying, listen, if you, you travel internationally, like from Europe to, to the US, you have to have a basically uh, certificate of travel because there's no visas or anything, but they basically do a little background test on the, or check and they say, yeah, you're safe to travel. And that lasts for three years or what, something. What about this? What about uh, what Google's doing where they're helping the government basically yeah. track everybody in but all that's, of their movements? That's do the you think tracing. that's okay? Uh, well, that's the tracing. Well, they, they don't track that you are, if, if somebody's confirmed to be sick, then they will tell you, hey, you've been exposed, you've been close to a person that was sick. So go check right, yourself. Right, but does now Google and the government have the right to just track everyone's movements at all times? No. I mean, they don't. I don't think they have the rights without permission. For my understanding... But they're doing it. Well... Because before it used to be... Uh, well, I'm not sure... Anonymously, where, yes, Google obviously and all these services track your location... But they do it on an anonymous basis. Not that they're tracking you personally. Right. That it's they have a mega database that says basically you're just a number in the database, basically, and then you get served ads or whatever, right? Because that's their business model. Right. But now they're taking it to a different level where they're matching it to your identity. And now they're saying specifically, you well, and well, where my, did you my go? understanding is that at this point it needs to be voluntary. Uh it's not that they do it. You need to allow it yeah yourself. but it's allowed by default no well i don't know if it's now implemented or not i'm not familiar with that but i know that I they've mean, been looking into every that. every device you use tracks you by default you have to yeah turn they it track off. they track <clears throat> they don't track you like you said manuel they no track. but that's the difference <clears throat> now they're tracking you no they're not because you need to sign off on that so and that goes into constitutional rights and privacy and all that stuff so you need to say yes i volunteer to be told if I'm close to a person that has tested positive or has been uh, uh, infected or something, so I know. And then when you do that, basically... Okay, so what if the new uh, modified Patriot Act says, uh, okay, well, now we're going to track you by your identity and we have the right to do that? Yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole different... Um, Would you uh, agree with that? No, I mean, I don't want uh, people's liberties to be taken away, but... I, but back to the travel situation that we're talking about, I don't think it's bad if um, TSA or whatever, just like now they do a background check and then you need to be basically 
clean to be able to get on the plane. But that's forever or just <coughs> for the next 18 months? Well, until there's a solution. I'm not sure. That's what I, that's my concern that, like like I said. Do you think that they'll do that for 18 months and then just to stop? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. But I that's, think once that they was, do that, they never stop. Well, that was my concern, that after 9-11... They implement a certain met certain security methods or security procedures before getting on a plane, and those have been even uh, expanded over time. So 9/11 was 2001. We're in 2020, almost 20 years later. We still have the same procedures that were implemented even more to have security when you get on a plane. So that set a new benchmark for travel by plane. Before you used to go to the airport half an hour earlier, check your luggage, get on the plane, check your passport. Yes, it's you you're good to go now it's a whole different thing so i'm i'm kind of concerned if now you have the security check and the health check now whether the health check has, happens at the airport or if it's something that you had to do before like we're talking about the wristbands the colors that you are recovered or not recovered those are things that are really being right but uh, being considered right now now your freedom is that you say okay i'm not gonna travel by plane i'm just gonna right you always up. have the choice not to travel by plane. right right but so so but what okay but my my question is okay maybe we all agree all right for the next 12 18 months until this is totally solved maybe we agree to do that as a society but then do you really think that after 18 months no i mean stop? if if this becomes a field of the past just like flu yeah but then the argument is going to be I can already tell you the argument. The, the argument is going to be, okay, well, this was one virus, but we know that there's going to be more in the future. Well, there will be more. So we're going to do this indefinitely to prevent it. I think that will be a lame excuse to continue. I mean, people, it's, yeah. It no, doesn't matter. No, because I, I think, I mean, these viruses are, again, they, they are. They're going to say, I mean, the arc, if I'm playing devil's advocate, right, if I'm, if I'm the government or the government is very broad, but basically if I'm trying to make the argument, I basically will say, well, look at how fast this virus spread throughout the world because we had global travel. Even though we shut down travel from China pretty early, it was, it was already in Europe and then it came from Europe and came to the US and we have such global travel that it's just, if, unless you shut things down almost immediately, it's hard to stop the no, spread. But you so what we're going to do now is we're going to have these health checks forever and basically you're not allowed to travel if you're not passing these health checks. That's the argument. No, I understand. And it's for the I good of the people. No, I understand, but I think that's there's a lot of things in between. That's the that's the black, and you have the white, and there's a whole grayscale. And you may say, just like in defense, yeah, but in if defense, I told you, hold on, hold on. But in defense, you have like from DEFCON one to DEFCON five. You don't go from war fine to basically war or the edge of war. You you have different levels. So if there's another um, scare, but so if there's let's say that this happens again. Let me let me th make this argument. L let's say that this happens again in three years, and we have the same exact situation where there's a rumor that something came from China, from any other country, and they're spreading. Nobody listens to it, whatever. Then you go into health, DEFCON one or two, and then you say, okay, now we have a a, pr a process or a procedure in place where we say, hey, there's a an alarm out there about this possibility. So. For the next three months, when I implement this situation, so we catch it, we have a circuit breaker before it happens, mm -hmm. and then if nothing happens, you're fine. If it indeed happens, like in this time, then you continue until it's over, and then if it's over, you take it off. You know, you 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 implement these emergency procedures as needed, but you already have them in place. You don't have to improvise. You don't have to create them or anything. So you say, okay, well, if if we already had this in place before, and we heard 
in back in December, January, hey, this virus in China is growing and there's a lot of international travel. As we know, that a lot of people from China went from Iran to, to Italy to some places in Seattle and other stuff, and that's where it started spreading. And then we have those situations. Then we already implemented this. Just like we banned travel from China, or President Trump banned travel from China at the end of January, you can say, okay, for now, globally, every traveler is going to have to go through this extra security check or health check. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. Right. So you but think but you do it only when it's needed. Like, a, like again, but like how a, do you know when it's needed? Well, because, I mean, we have organizations that will be warning us. I oh, mean, yeah, we, they did a great job. Well, no, obviously they didn't, but we knew there was something. They just didn't know or didn't tell us how... Er, or um, grave the situation was. They didn't. They even know themselves. But okay, if, so then why do you rely on them? Well, because the moment there is an alarm, you know, it's like it happens in different situations of life. I mean, you can you can have a person breaking into your house, and the cops come, and you have an alarm system, and they check it out, and maybe there's nothing. It's a false alarm, or maybe there's somebody in your house, and then they have a whole different procedure. So you can have a system in place where you say, okay, we're in a uh, DEFCON 1 or DEFCON 2 for this and we start implementing certain measures where everybody has to I travel don't know. with a mask. I have a feeling that once those things get put into place that they're not going to stop doing them. Well, that's Like something. if I had told you before 9-11 had happened that, hey, you're not going to be able to fly unless you go through these x-ray screenings, you would have said I was crazy. Before 9-11. Oh, before 9-11? Yeah, you yeah. would have said that's crazy. Of course. But in the same way that now if I tell you, oh, no, you have to pass a certain health check before you can fly anymore, you because, would say, because oh, they, you're crazy. they found a flaw in the system. I mean, you remember 9-11 was basically the Okay, but a flaw in the system is, hey, we check people for bombs, but we don't check them for a disease. Well, I mean... And really, the, the likelihood, I mean, if you look at it from a pure uh, logic standpoint, the likelihood someone has a bomb is pr very low compared to the likelihood someone is carrying a oh, disease. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and absolutely. And so they say, we should be Unfortunately, checking. Unfortunately, we live in a world where before... It was unheard of that, I mean, I remember flying and the captain door, the carpet was open. The captain would come out, hey, how are you folks doing, blah, 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 all that chatting and all that stuff. They were coming back and forth. Now they're like a vault. They close it and it's done. Why? Because the terrorists got into the cockpit, took over the plane, and then they flew into the World Trade Center. Nobody thought that people were going to do that. Now, these guys did it. And that's why they started implementing those procedures where, okay, what? Right, and nobody thought, so, or at least people thought but we weren't prepared for a virus that could spread so fast and, i know you know we're fortunate in this case where the virus is as bad as it is it's much less deadly than we've had other viruses in the past and so what if next time instead of the virus basically only killing old people it just kills everybody then what do you do well that's that's the biological warfare that we've been discussing for a long time too i mean like, there's the unique thing about this virus is that kids are fine normally viruses kill old people and kids a lot and in this case well, it seems like most it kids doesn't kill the kids so much i mean there's some exceptions but uh, um they do spread it that's the yes issue. but they don't die like yeah. imagine if it because normally for when you look at viruses the people who are most at risk are young kids and older people mm -hmm. and in this case for whatever reason younger kids are normally fine like the death rate's very low luckily and that's great but it's, that's not the usual case. Could you imagine if it was the same exact spread, but instead of just old people dying, it was also kids six and under were dying at the same rate where you have like 20% of them dying, like you have people in their 80s? That would be a global catastrophe. Yeah, I mean, any, yeah. I mean right and now, we're fortunate. The, old, and, the eldest of the elderly are, are more risk. And on, so, but the argument could be, 
we are actually lucky that, yes, while it's super contagious, it's not that deadly compared to a lot of other viruses that could have been much more deadly. Yeah. And they say, we need to put all these precautions in place. And so now you're not allowed to fly unless you pass a health check. Yeah. So, so again, I mean, let's, uh, I, I just tried to anticipate what will happen. I mean, when, I think when it's going to happen. When and I don't agree with it, but when I think you it's reopen, when you reopen the economy, I mean, countries are going to have, I mean, you cannot live off of the government money, which still is very sporadically spread and it's not going to be enough. I mean, we're getting into a whole discussion with the uh, effective UBI, universal basic income that we're having these days, where people are being paid not to work. How much the country can afford that, or each country? I mean, we discussed about the printing money part. So, wow. Uh, but before I get you started with that, because I know that's a hot topic for you. Uh, well, I was just going to say, I wasn't going to go into a round. I was just going to say the US can't necessarily afford it, but because we're the global power and we're the reserve currency, we might get away with it. Uh, no one else can afford well, it. Yeah, exactly. Europe can't so, afford so, it. So, basically, people need to get out and work on some jobs. Are uh, and for people to get out and work means that other people get out and enjoy whatever those guys are working on. So if I go and can work on a theme park, that means that people are coming to the theme park, come visiting Disneyland, or going traveling, or going to a concert, or going shopping, or going to the mechanic shop, or just going around with their lives. So that means that everybody's going to have to get up back out to work. How do you do that safely? Where now we're basically saying separation, confinement. Um, distancing, social distancing, all that stuff. So there has to be some kind of transition where people go out feeling confident that say, okay, well, now I'm going out with a little more safety or security measures than I did before, whether it's to my grocery store or traveling. And I slowly, but, you know, uh, over time, right, I, I get back to my th- normal life. That's why I... That's why I think you use a health pass of some kind. Right. That's why. And I think that's okay temporarily. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that the only fear is that then you're going to have some longer term way after this is over. Well, one health well, checks that are mandatory by the government. Yeah, I, I hope not. But uh, I think I think those um, once this thing is under control, um, I think it's going to be probably 12 months before there's some kind of formal vaccine that has been tested that can be used. Not, I mean, vaccines take like years yeah, and years to be... Yeah, the thing the vaccine is I'm scared of a vaccine. I would almost rather, honestly, because I'm not an at-risk group. I yeah, get sick and Get overcome. sick, get the antibodies and be fine. But because that, the problem with vaccines, because this is a super sensitive topic because there's so much controversy before this even happened with the anti-vaxxers. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Obviously, I think, listen, vaccines have done tremendous for the world, curing polio, lots of diseases that used to ravage us, and now they don't anymore in the modern world. But the reason why there is, and I think the anti-vaxxers are way too extreme, but the reason why there is people who are anti-vaccine, or at least in some cases, is because... There are, there have been many cases where there's severe negative side effects to vaccines, and especially in a case like this, where you just push it out as fast as can in, in 12 to 18 months, you just don't know the long-term side well, effects. And, and, but this and vaccine, I would be afraid to get that vaccine. Yeah, I mean, we, we like, like with the flu, for example, there's different strings that happen every year, and they come up with a flu shot or the flu vaccine based on what is the combination right, of but the... But even uh, flu, like, it, like, like, I'll tell you. I stopped getting flu shots because I've gotten, I got flu shots two years in a row 
And I've never gotten the flu in my life. I, I don't know why, maybe I have a strong immune system, whatever. I've never gotten the flu in my life. The only two times where I've ever gotten the flu, really sick, was both times I got the flu shot. For the next two days, I was totally better and super Well, but, sick. but you know, the shot is basically right. an injective flu. And so I've, but that's the only time I've ever actually gotten the flu is when I got a flu shot. And other than that, I've never gotten the flu. Yeah. And so that's why I said I don't want to take the flu shot anymore because every time it just makes me sick and I've never actually gotten the flu. So, I mean, but at the same time, I think with so much more education now for those who want to learn about how to take care of their bodies and prevent and develop their immune system and be stronger, I'm hoping that people will decide, okay, well, who is more at risk, which is usually the same people, high blood pressure, hypertension, uh, obesity. Uh, yeah, but that's half of America. Uh, exactly. But I think a lot of people, people that don't exercise and all that stuff. So, so I think people will, if anything comes out of this, is people basically realizing, okay, well, I need to take care of my body and make it a little stronger so that when there is a little bump on the road, my car is not going to fall apart. It'll survive. It'll be a bump on the road, but it continues to work. So That gets into a different... Yeah, it's a different discussion, but I think... I mean, that's be a like positive. the argument that I... While it's uh, harsh, but I agree with as far as or not necessarily agree with, but I think is true is that like if you look at the like healthcare is such a huge topic in the U.S. and there's many people who argue well, healthcare would be much less of a burden in the U.S. if people just took care of themselves. And the reason why we have such a massive healthcare burden in the U.S. is because far majority of people are just out of shape right. and in poor health. And the number one thing you can do, forget about healthcare reform and all of that, not saying that we don't need it, but is on an individual basis is before you start complaining about healthcare reform, how about you make sure you're in good health first? Right. No, that's, that's, and people don't like hearing that. No, I know it's, they, it's insensitive, but, but it's, it's the truth. true. It's the truth. I mean, it's no, we, why, we why don't we, you, nobody has a problem saying, oh, you, that person smoked and now they're have shitty lungs. Nobody has a problem. You know that. But if someone, eats garbage their whole life and then they're obese and have heart disease, then it's a different story. Well, that's what I'm thinking that, that I'm hoping that people will self be more self-conscious and realize, okay, yeah, I, I know because most of the people that are now you know, out of shape, they used to be in better shape, some of them, you know, and then they just kind of let it go. So I yeah, think it's easy to be in shape when you're young. No, but not, not just when you're young. I mean, young adults are usually in better shape and then they right, know but- how many times you go into a conversation where, I mean, at least myself, I, I'm definitely older and uh, I run into friends that, you know, you see them gaining a few pounds every year and they all start. Oh, I used to, I used to, I used to, right, do this, no, I used to that. Why do you stop? Your life is the same. Your job is the same. It's just you stop because you stopped. No excuse. Well, you stopped contributing think- to your health account in your life. Uh, what I think it is too is that a lot of people when you're younger, you, your body can get away with eating poorly, drinking, whatever it is, lack of exercise. And you, because your metabolism is so fast, maybe when you're 20, like you everything. get away with it. By the time it's, you're 40, yes, of course. you can't keep You up. have a new machine and it goes like right. great. And then when the machine right. is more, is older and more worn out, you need to take care or of the machine the same time, more. Like lots of people play sports when they're younger. Yes. And then they don't. So they lose all that activity. Right. You know? But but I'm talking people that get into their 30s and 40s and 50s. And then you start getting into the more iffy age where you have either you conserve your health within your age group or you start dropping off. And then I know a lot of friends that used to do a lot of active exercise 
and then they just stopped because they just basically didn't have the drive. Even it's not because of uh, their. It's just basically that you became lazy. I mean, it's just laziness. Yeah, of course. Because they spend four hours watching Netflix or doing this or sitting in a bar or happy hour or this or that, and they do zero and, exercise. And diet is a huge part too. Right, it's right. Not so, just the uh, but, but let's let's just uh, leave the. Uh, we're kind of deviating a little bit, but uh, um, so we started this thinking. My, to respond to you, do you really think people are gonna like switch and be super healthy now? You think that's no? Gonna- I think I think some people. I already know because I mean not- it was already pretty obvious. I mean we already had epidemics as far as heart disease and cancer and all types of things that and diabetes beforehand. You think this is gonna make people change? Some people will. I mean, uh, we know that uh, how long will it last? I don't know. It's the same thing with all these New Year resolutions. So you see the gyms on January totally packed and come February, March, they're half empty again because all well, those resolutions. Now they're totally empty. Yeah, now they're totally <laughs> empty. But look at the thing. I mean, you and I were looking at exercise equipment. It's sold out everywhere. Yeah. So obviously a lot of people, aside from buying toilet paper, by the way, they're buying weights on exercise equipment for their house. Do you think hubs. that's because... People, who are these people? Are these well, people? Well, I think, first of all, I think a lot of them are just people who normally go to the gym and now they can't. Mm-hmm. So obviously if you have, whatever, I have no idea what percent of the population goes to the gym. Let's say 20% of the population goes to the gym and all of a sudden none of them can go to the gym. Yeah, they all buy stuff. And they yeah. all buy stuff. That's a massive spike in demand. Now, how many people weren't working out at all or working out very little and now decided to get home equipment? I don't know. But at the same time, you see now with the confinement... In all the major cities, you see a lot of people that are walking, jogging, yeah, running. Are those people also people that used to go to a gym or are people that are saying, hey, I heard that exercise is better. I'm going to just move my ass and just go around the block. Right, least. both. A combination of both, exactly. Yeah. So I think there's more conscious now. I, I mean, so. I know. I, I hope know you're even, right. I do hope you're right. I know even people that are at home that they can't even go out and they are walking within their house tracking their, their, with their watches or their phones their steps and saying, I've done 10,000 steps. And this is a little 100 square foot apartment. And they just go around. 100 square foot? Huh? 100 square foot? Uh, probably a little bigger. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like very, very... Uh, I know uh, Actually, mean. a 100 square meter, probably more like uh, 400. It doesn't matter. What I'm saying is that one, one little studio apartment where they just go in circles and they're trying to do like... You know, 5,000 steps, 10,000 steps, because they realize that they say, hey, one thing you can do is exercise a little more. And keep in mind, people that don't exercise and they see how their body is deteriorating for that, they're conscious of that. Oh, of course. They know it. They just decide not to do anything about it. And now that they're seeing people that they know being affected, infected, dying, or anywhere in between, they're saying, hmm, maybe this is a sign that I need to start getting myself in a better shape so how long how many people will do that i know a lot of people will do it and are already doing it how many I people will sustain how it, many though. people will forget it's like i say always, health is a i always make the analogy the of the uh of the you know being pulled over or not when a cop is right you like, know I mean, behind you in the freeway you know health so health is a lifelong thing it's not something it's an you investment do for of six course. months it's like everything else yeah, yeah you don't get you don't get out of shape in two months and you don't right. get in shape in one, two months one donut isn't going to kill you but also one salad in the middle of bad food isn't going to make you healthy exactly so so, so we'll see how it lasts but uh, all right i think there's going to be a lot of uh transitions and, and we still don't know i'm very 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 curious about how the um the world in general not just the u.s and all that stuff but uh, how the world will react to reopening the economy and all that stuff because on getting back to the normal i mean what normal is because it's, it's just different. I mean, a lot of families say, I don't want my kids to go back to school. 
Uh, I know my kid is in good shape and I keep him healthy, but I don't know the kid next door or whatever. Right. And, and everybody thinks the same thing. Nobody goes back to school. Oh, I think homeschooling will grow too. Yeah, everything. Lot. Colleges, universities. And online school too. It's, a lot of things are changing now. I mean, I mean, you, you see students that pay tuition and they're trying to get a refund. Oh, I... I and colleges are of, saying... One of my hopes... Oh my God. I really hope that this is finally the reckoning for major universities well, that charge ungodly But you know how much universities money. are lobbying all the stuff. They're going to they're gonna have maybe half of the classes um, on site. Or no, campus. but I hope this is a... This is a whole... I didn't want to get into a whole topic on That's this. A whole maybe we can save it for next week. I wanted to get to Quibi. We had this on the screen I know, for a, I know. Yeah, me too. I wanted to jump to Quibi. So uh, this is something that we wanted to discuss also last week and we and we missed it. But uh, Quibi launched. Uh, we, we talked about Quibi a while ago. Like when, it was, I think it was during the Super Bowl, actually, yeah. because they, they spent money with all these commercials. And I don't know if people knew what it was back then when they say, I'll, I'll be back in a Quibi or something. Um, yeah. So obviously, you're more familiar with it. I know what the gist of it, but you actually downloaded it and been kind of playing with it a little bit so why don't you go ahead and uh, give us a little rundown of yeah i mean if, if you don't know what quibi is it's basically uh we have it on the screen it's not it's not made for uh for a desktop it's basically specifically made mobile first it's uh it's kind of like a netflix but basically everything is 10 minutes or less um all the shows can be watched vertically or uh horizontally um, and so they're filmed in the same way. So you can swap back and forth, uh, kind of seamlessly. Um, and that's kind of the unique thing. Basically everything is less than 10 minutes and it can be watched vertically or horizontally. That's their whole thing. And it's targeted at the younger people. Um, is that right? I mean, I, because I was listening that there shows that. I mean, they're, tar they're targeting everyone, but the, they specifically are targeting what they said are like millennials and Gen Z. Um, so my review of it is that what we but, want? But the videos are actually, this is not like a TikTok. This is not a Snapchat or anything. These are actually produced videos. I mean, yes, it's created produced by, by, it's almost like a. Yeah, no, it's like a. It's like it's, a, it's like a the, Netflix the with thing a thing that I describe it as show. is it's a higher production value YouTube. As far as like. The no, type but of YouTube is user generated No, 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 content. but I mean, as far as. To me, the videos, and I'm going to get into my kind of review so far, are very YouTube-esque, just higher production value, basically. And they even have a lot of YouTube and TikTok and people from there. Um, but yes, it's it's not user-generated, no. It's all Right, so, so to me, a, a better analogy, I'm trying to understand myself, is more like a... Almost like a Netflix. It's just all original content. That's all it is. It's like Netflix. It's all it's, original. It's all content. original content. Yeah. The, the the premise is that they have shows that their, have their episodes and series and all that. Their whole premise is just basically a ten minutes high quality original content that shows are ten minutes or less. That's right. the whole thing. So right now they have two pricing models that yeah. are anybody can try. You if you want to download, it's ninety days free for everybody right now. Um, but yeah, they have two pricing models. I think it's five or six bucks a month, and then if you want no ads, it's eight bucks a month or something like that. Um, so it does have ads. Um, not impressed so far. Uh, it's very, it, it gives me very like MTV VH1 vibes as far as the type of content that it has. Um, and that's fine. Obviously that has its audience, but 
basically, to me, their biggest, they're competing with YouTube is their biggest competitor. Is that it? I mean, are they competing with more with, uh, because... No, I think they're competing with YouTube because, I mean, they're comp obviously, when you're in video streaming, you're competing with lots of people, but the closest direct competitor, I would say, is YouTube. Like, I don't think there's so much competing with Netflix because Netflix has, like, hour-long shows and really serious stuff uh, or movies or whatever that when you watch Netflix, you really sit down to watch it. Um, this is like everything is like most of their shows are like five, six, seven minutes. So now that is much more competing with YouTube than they're competing with Netflix. Um, and to me, when I watch this, I've watched a few of the shows. We have some of them up now. Like I watched this one. I watched one episode. I couldn't watch more. It was really bad. Uh, Chrissy Teigen's court or whatever they call it. Chrissy's, Chrissy's court. court. Yeah. It's basically Chrissy Teigen, who, if you don't know who that is, that's John Len Legend's wife. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, basically, it's like Judge Judy, but she's the judge yeah. instead of Judge Judy. Uh, it was bad, honestly. I'm not a big fan of Judge Judy. I get the appeal of those shows. It's it's whatever. Um, but it, I don't know. Personally, I just didn't like the show. It was really like... So not even if you saw just like seven minutes. Show. It was literally six minutes. And like four minutes in, I stopped watching because I was <laughs> so bored. Um, okay, so I'll give the good parts first. The good parts... Um, The UI is not bad. Um, how they basically, there's some certain features. Can you pull up? Uh, I guess you have the desktop. Because uh, obviously I have it on my phone. But um, the, the UI is not bad. Um, as far as the, I, I, everyone download it. It's free for 90 days. Give it a shot. Maybe you like it. Um, but basically, the, when you scroll, when you're scrolling through, I kind of like how they have it. Um, they don't do autoplay previews, which is nice. I, I hate that. I mm -hmm. hate that so much on Netflix and other streaming platforms that autoplay things. They don't do that, so that's good. Um, when you're holding the, if you're watching it vertically, um, the 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 play bar. So how, I don't know how you say that. The uh, like you know you know how on YouTube yeah, you yeah, have yeah. a bar the, with the progress the, bar, the progress bar, the play button, all that. Yeah, um, it's vertical instead yeah. of horizontal. Right, right. I remember that. Yeah. Um, they have if you're if you want to listen without audio and subtitles, you can just kind of hold the screen and it'll switch to subtitles. So there's some good UX. Features. I will say that. Yeah. yeah, it's actually it's a decently designed up. There's also some bugs, some things that are a little. Well, annoying, I mean, but we, it just was released. We so, need to clarify that the founder of this is Jeffrey Kastenberg. It's no, the two co-founders. So you have Meg Whitman. Meg Whitman be, is the CEO. And then, well, they're, they're co-founders. Um, it's Meg Whitman. She's the CEO. She used to be the CEO of HP. Katzenberg used to be the CEO of Paramount and head of Disney Studios back in the day. Right. So, I mean, they both um, are heavy hitters and they yeah. have a lot of experience. And so they, obviously, they obviously have a lot of investor power behind them, too. Right. So, That's why they raised So it's not like two guys that just came out of the garage with coming up with this application. Right. They, well, that was my other argument. That was basically, I said, okay, forget about who made this. If it wasn't those two people who are like heavy hitters, okay, if this was just uh, two other random founders who raised a bunch of money from VCs, I think people would be absolutely trashing this with the amount of money they raised. Because, like I said, the UX is good. They have some, there's some things I don't really like about the UX. There's some bugs, but they just launched. So I'll give them slack. They have some really, they have some new things that I like. Well, they have already 1.7 million downloads. Yeah, Obviously, it's the free that's version. That's not that much, honestly. I mean, 1.7 million when you have a 90-day free trial. Um, yeah. 
how many of those? But they were they were actually comparing in downloads with Disney Plus and subscribers. And yeah, but Disney like Plus blows them out of the water. Disney Plus well, passed obviously, what, 50 million? obviously, I mean, but I'm just saying that when you are on the same in the same line, the same sentence as Disney Plus, as far as saying, I don't okay, think they are in the same sentence. Well, they as were some, no, no, they were not. But as far as uh, subscribers, downloads, and things like that, they they were. I was just listening to a different podcast this morning and. Uh, they were very excited about the number of downloads. Like you said, it's a 90 day free trial. Yeah, but trial, what are they so going to we'll say? What is Quibi going to say? We just launched and this, we're really disappointed. No, but, but I mean, the numbers are there. 1.7 million downloads when they just launched really like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I forgot what they did. Yeah, but 1.7 million downloads when we'll you see how many become, over a billion dollars. We'll I don't know if that's that good. We'll see how many of those become paid subscriptions versus the free 90 days tested and take off. You know? So, okay. First of all, I'm shocked at how little programming they have. They have like very few shows. I think they have, when they launched, they had like 15, and now they've added a few shows, but they, I don't think they even have like 30 shows left, which is shocking. Uh, um, especially because keep in mind, all the shows are like, oh, you're going to count them all here? I don't know how many they have, but uh, uh, they probably have... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you can load more. I mean, they they were talking about adding. Yeah, that's, that's the end. So they have about twenty between twenty five and thirty. Yeah, shows but now. keep in mind, all the episodes are like five ten minutes. Right. So really, I think someone did the math. I saw it on Twitter, and there's like twelve hours of content on t on the whole thing right now. Yeah. And it's like that's well, it. Well, it's, it's consumed very rapidly, obviously, especially these days. Right. Um, like basically, someone said you could watch everything in twelve hours. You can binge hours. watch this whole thing. Yeah. Right. It's like that's people could watch. That's like a season of an episode. But their show. goal is to get um, content creators, um, um, and developers, and directors, and producers that has shows that were not approved by other major studios or whatever, saying, "Okay, we're gonna have the shows posted here." And then yeah, but the, maybe there's a reason why they weren't approved. The premise is that they own. Well, in some cases, I, I don't want to get into potential issues or whatever but the premise is that when the shows go here they actually they still own all the rights to the shows and everything and then they can still market the shows elsewhere so it's like a little avenue for creators that have their shows vetted or something to be able to expose them whatever like you go to netflix with a show and they say well but they have a pretty much higher bar you know here you can put a little um almost like a premiere or or uh, preview episode or something and then create like a little mini series and then another major studio may say oh we like that concept and then they make like a whole one hour show or something you know so um, that was okay. the premise that some people may like it but okay well to continue with my review um, okay so on the on the experience user experience side they have some unique things I like it I think they've done some cool things with that um, there's improvements that definitely could be made, but it's pretty good so far. So I'll give them credit on that side. But I will say of the two things that basically this app needs, which is great content and great user experience, the user experience matters much less. Because if you have a clunky UX, but the content is amazing, it doesn't matter. People will watch anyways. But if you have, I don't want to say shitty, but if you have mediocre content, which I think they have, it doesn't matter. Um, because here's the thing. If you want to scroll back up on the shows, I, I, I downloaded it. I didn't look at anybody's review. I downloaded it on the first day. As soon as it came out, I didn't look at anybody's review. I wanted to give it an honest, real trial of the show and really give or of the platform and give it a shot. Um, and I watched like five or six different shows and I just wasn't impressed. The only one that I liked, but that's because it's not even something new. Um, and it's fine, but it's nothing special. It was punked. 
um, mm. which used to be a show on MTV. And uh, it's punked, you know, it's punked. If anybody's watched it, it's basically pranking like celebrities and stuff. It's fine. It's exactly what you expect. It's basically like six, seven minute prank yeah. videos. It's fine. It's entertaining. It's whatever. Um, but it's nothing special. It wouldn't be like an anchor for the platform. Right. But it's fine. Um, but I will say, like I said, when they're competing with YouTube, there's a million prank channels on mm. YouTube who mm -hmm. do all these things. The only difference is these guys have bigger names that they prank. And... Uh, bigger production budgets when they do these pranks. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a little more elaborate. But so that show's fine. I watched, like I said, the Chrissy Teigen show. I didn't like it at all. Maybe it's not for me, whatever. Um, some of the other shows, this one, this comedy, Aqua, Agua Donkeys, whatever, I didn't think it was funny at all. It's like <laughs> these two pool boys that are like grown men and they're kind of like losers. And it's. I don't know. I personally didn't think it was funny at all. Um, keep going. Fierce Queens, which is basically Reese Witherspoon um, narrating over these cheetahs. Mm -hmm. It was okay, but it was like I've seen nature documentaries done 10 times better, um, in my opinion. It was like, okay, whatever. Uh, keep scrolling down. Let's see. What else did I watch? I didn't watch this one. The I Promise with LeBron. I wasn't that interested. It's basically like a, a press run for LeBron. The Okay, the only show that I thought was actually unique and I thought might be decent and that could be a real franchise was this one right here, Murder House Flip. This mm -hmm. is the only show that I said, okay, that's actually a good, unique idea I've never seen before. Right. They basically took crime, which people love. People love crime. And then they took house flipping which is another big thing they basically took hgtv and like a crime show and combined it and they basically take a yeah, house where like someone was murdered law and order and hgtv together yes. <laughs> so they took a house where someone was murdered and then they flip it and try to sell it right. i thought it was a unique concept well, and well, idea that's exactly and i liked point. it whoever came up with a concept now has a six seven eight minute show and right. then maybe they, they make it a series so the right. guy still owns the show so, so it's probably a good platform for some so people. So I think of all the shows, I thought that was their best one as far as originality and something I haven't seen before. I thought it was good. They took two concepts that people love and combined them. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, and then you have Punked there. Um, overall, though, the problem with I, I think I think they'll that, come with more shows. Obviously, Yeah, they will come with more shows, shows but, but it's really a hit-driven game. And they definitely don't have a hit. Um, and like I said, the problem is that they're charging five bucks a month for content that honestly i think is done better on youtube for free um because there's a there's a big thing that i totally disagree with that so many media execs i think don't understand yet and that higher production value does not mean higher production quality okay right. because just because you have they have big crews and spend a bunch of money on a production that doesn't mean it's more entertaining right and i you know, I'm of the generation of Gen Z where basically everybody watches YouTube. Uh, basically, two things that everybody watches are YouTube and Netflix that are my age. And I see much more entertaining content on YouTube than I've seen on here. And I gave it a real honest shot. I'm the perfect demo audience. The other thing is the vertical versus horizontal thing. Mm -hmm. um, at first, I was watching everything vertical because I said, okay, it's like meant to be vertical. But then I was like, well, I'm just going to watch it horizontal because I can, it's wider. Right, right. And it was like, it was kind of gimmicky, honestly. I ended up watching everything horizontally because you get to see more. Yeah, but it gives you the option of this. So I have a couple more questions for you, but uh, we'll get to those after this little break. 
Welcome back. I'm here with David, and we were just talking about Quibi, who launched uh, the company that just launched their app um, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, which the timing is a little bit... Uh, um, I think the timing was good. I actually thought that they should have pushed up the launch as soon as the quarantine well, but started they, they, they had the timing. I mean, they had the launch already that date set. That's why they started advertising right. so heavily during the Super Bowl, which was at the beginning, the first weekend in February. And then, obviously, with the coronavirus, they were saying, okay, should we push it back or not? But, obviously, with, um, you know, more people are home, and they said, okay, well, people are going to be hungry for more content they decide to continue yeah. so even though that that means that they also have more competition but so one thing I wanted, question. yes i do have a question um you were talking about comparing mostly the audience for quibi and youtube and saying okay youtube offers that but youtube has their own uh creators uh studio where developers or creators actually put their shows on youtube and all that do you think this will maybe drive some of those creators to quibi saying hey we want to be more in this kind of exclusive platform instead of being lost in a sea of uh, no. thousands and millions of other videos? No. Big YouTubers? No. Definitely not. Why would they do that? Because Quibi is closed. It's not open to their... They have no control. Uh, no. But what I said that Quibi should do, I think a few months ago when we first talked about them, um, and I still think that they should do now, is basically... Especially because who's their target audience? It's like young people. Okay, well... You know, they're paying lots of celebrities. They have like, uh, you know, Reese Witherspoon and LeBron and Chance the Rapper and all these people. But to me, if I was Quibi, what I would do, what those people, maybe they're f more famous, but they don't have the pull that YouTubers do on content. And if I were them, instead of writing big checks to Reese Witherspoon, I would write a big check to famous YouTubers whoever it may be, David Dobrik, whatever, and say, okay, make a show on Quibi. That's how you get people to come. Do you think... And then promote it through your other channels. Do you think or do you know if any of these celebrities are uh, part investors too or they are doing some kind of... Uh... I don't know if they're part investors. I know that Quibi raised a ton of money and basically was using that to write massive checks to people basically and, mm -hmm. and basically paying all these people. I don't know... I don't know how many of them okay. are equity partners or not, but if I was Quibi, if I have all this money, instead of giving it to like old school celebrities, because that's not my target demo. You know, I don't know how many uh, 19 year olds really care about Reese Witherspoon. Maybe they do, but I don't think she definitely doesn't have the pull of uh, big YouTuber. She, she just mm -hmm. doesn't. And that's how you get them on the platform. You give them full creative control, but with a, because uh, the only thing is that most YouTubers, I mean, m almost all YouTubers don't have big production budgets because obviously they're just YouTubers. And so they don't have casts and crew and all that stuff. If they were able to get a crew and have bigger productions and then kind of have creative control, but just do what they do on YouTube, but 10 times bigger because they have the budget and put it on Quibi, that's how you could pull people in. I th that's That's what I would do if I were them. Um, that's where I think they're flawed in the strategy is, is that they're mm -hmm. trying to do all these shows. They're trying to make like, uh, cause some of these shows are very almost Netflix ish where it's like a real serious drama, but it's like seven minutes. It's like, do you well, really get think, hooked um, into a show like that in I seven minutes? I think what we're trying to do is, is find this, um, like I think Jeffrey was saying, Gazenberg was saying that in that previous interview that I listened to, uh, that they can see the, the heat map or when the, the spikes are in content uh, streaming and downloads. And and they say it was early in the morning. And obviously, you know, like people are sort of work these days, you know. Um, 
so it, it kind of seems to me that people are looking for this content that they can consume in a short time, maybe in, in like you said, in eight to 10 minute blocks, doing a commute or doing a, maybe they are preparing breakfast, I don't know, or maybe in the evening while they're doing something else, but it's not something they need to be in front of a TV for like half hour to an hour if it's a Netflix show, you know? So you have a little time to say, hey, I have like five, 10 minutes. Right. And that's like where the YouTubers, famous commercial when you say I do it in a Quibi, like saying, okay, I have six minutes to kill, I'm gonna right. watch one episode. But that's where YouTubers shine. Most YouTubers make five to 15 minute videos. That's their whole thing. And they have millions of fans. That's where they shine. Mm -hmm. So why not just say, okay, you have full creative control or not full. They would never do that. I know big studios don't like to do that, but you have majority creative control and you have this big budget behind you. So you can do whatever you want to normally do, but just amplified 10 times bigger. And then we're going to put it on a Quibi and you can only watch it on Quibi. Right. I promise you they would pull in way more 1.7 million they could have 17 million people right. signed well, up. well maybe they, i mean i don't know time will tell it's, it's too soon and we'll see um uh, quibi execs if you're listening to this that's what you should do when you do it and it succeeds and you're making millions i will uh wait for my royalty check thank you very right. much well uh but, but just to just to recap or to sum it up at the end uh what where do you see quibi in the next six months I mean, much more content. Do yeah, we'll have obviously, like, I'm sure they have a ton more content coming out. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I the mean, big, obviously, the they, they're, they're pressing. Is, the model is the, obviously subscription the model and commercials. Is that we'll find out three months from now is how many people actually subscribe. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, you have a 90-day free trial. And maybe, especially now where people are starved for content and they see this new platform and they've spent a ridiculous amount of money on ads, too. Uh so that's how they got 1.7 million people. But what percentage of those people are going to subscribe? To me now, the, the, the streaming, uh, you and I are very fans of the uh, what we call the streaming video wars and stuff. And right now, there's so many choices. Like like for me, for example, when I have only like six, seven minutes, and I find myself many times like, okay, in between this, I don't want to get into a heavy show or even a podcast or something. And I watch some quickly. Usually I go to, obviously not now, but I go to sports highlights or something that I can see in five, six minutes or this highlights for this game or this other thing. So now you have so many options in, in this little, like you said, between the YouTube little snippets or the sports highlights on ESPN or Disney or, the, or whatever, uh, that now you have one more where you have actually episodes or things like that. So I don't know. It's kind of... Right. That's why I said it's all... It really is. At the end of the day, entertainment is a hits-driven game. You have to have the hits. If you don't have those big hits... In the same way, look at Netflix. What built Netflix? Orange is the New Black... House of Cards, all those shows that they had at the beginning that basically were big hits that it was like, oh, you got to watch this. Mm -hmm. That's what drove it. Look at HBO. Look at what happened when Game of Thrones ended. Did you see their subscriber drop off? There was a famous graph that basically showed right, right, all right. these people who subscribed to watch Game of Thrones. And as soon as it was over, the, yeah, a yeah, ton of people uh, subscribed. Showtime with so, different shows too. Right. It's a, it's a hits-driven game. We never had a Showtime subscription until Billions came out, and now we do. Mm -hmm. And guess what? If Billions ends, we'll probably cancel that subscription too, right? right? It's a hits-driven game at the end of the day, right. and it's no different for Quibi. So they need hits. If they can have a show that basically is, is the same as like Tiger King for Netflix, where it was like everybody's talking about it, everybody's watching it, you got to watch this, then that's how they win. Mm -hmm. But if they can't do that, then they lose. I mean, it's pretty right, simple at the right. end of the day. All right. Well, time will tell. Um, I do have another um, couple of questions for you. This is different. So Quibi is over. But um, you actually sent um, our, our weekly um, e-commerce email. And um, 
I wanted to ask you about the Amazon uh, fees or rates and that just changed out of the blue. And I think uh, a lot yeah, of people may have missed... Yeah, not the seller fees, <clears throat> but the affiliate fees. Affiliates, yeah. Which I literally, effective immediately, o- overnight, um, a lot of the fees... So they have... Uh, basically, you don't know what, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Amazon has their affiliate program, which a ton of... It used to be just lots of like entrepreneurs and like YouTubers and other people. I used to. I have an affiliate. We have an affiliate. That's a company. Right. They used to, or like bloggers used to use it for um, just extra passive income. Remember when passive income was a big deal? Um, basically, all it is is you get a custom link. You recommend a product. If people buy it, then you get a cut. Uh, but now it's used by major, major organizations, especially in media and publishing. So, for mm-hmm. example, um, BuzzFeed makes a ton of money through affiliates now. That's right. actually... BuzzFeed has had tremendous revenue growth over the last two years, and it's because they shifted away from purely ads-based to more affiliate-based. Affiliate and reviews um, and product reviews and comments. New York Times <clears throat> had, makes a ton of money. Every Wirecutter, which is owned <clears throat> by, uh, is it New York Times? Who owns Wirecutter? Wirecutter? Um, I don't know. I think it's New York Times. Is it New York Times? Maybe, yeah. I forget. Someone. Oh, anyways. Verge, uh, The Verge too. The Verge. Like a lot of these companies make a ton of money through basically reviewing and recommending products. And then when you are on their website, buying with their affiliate mm-hmm. link. And so what uh, Amazon did basically this week, excuse me, um, was they had different rates, but most of the rates were somewhere between six, seven, eight to 10% commission on um, various products, depending mm-hmm. on the product category, most products. So if you're wire cutter, and basically like Wirecutter is a good example. If you don't know Wirecutter, they're one of the biggest uh, tech review, not even just tech review, like product review sites. Right. They do really, really thorough, great reviews. I go to them whenever I'm looking to like make a purchase decision. Um, and they make almost all their money through uh, referrals. And mm-hmm. obviously they have referrals with other websites, but the majority is Amazon because most people just want to buy it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. They don't want to buy elsewhere. And so if you're Wirecutter and you're used to getting eight, 10% commission, Amazon just cut commissions across the board down to 3%. I know. And they cut grocery, which is very low margin, down to 1%. So basically, if you're wire cutter and you're used to getting 8, 10% commission, now you're getting 3. Their, their revenues just got slashed by 2 Right. So in other words, if I'm reading an article on on the, you know, on their website and they're reviewing a product or something that is like $50 or something <clears throat> and I end up buying it, I will get the wire cutter will get $5, right. you know, four or $5 right. dollars so commission. If, if, so if you're a wire cutter, you're <clears throat> used to this 10% commission, right? And now it's three. That's a 70% cut in your revenue. I right. mean, that basically could put wire cutter out of business. And a lot of these companies, it almost loses the incentive to promote those products because by the time you do all the work and putting the links and all that stuff, he's just not, well, <clears throat> I don't think it's a feasible business model for them to keep uh, doing that. As well, it main. was a great business model. I mean, they were very successful. They were, I mean, it's really hard to build a profitable <clears throat> media company these days that's not subscription-based, and right. they were able to do it. And other companies were, like I said, like BuzzFeed was able to make a lot of money doing that too. And now that's totally gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's actually pretty crazy how Amazon did that. And basically, Amazon said, we have enough demand, we make enough money, that we're just giving you free money. Like people are going to buy through us anyways. Like we don't need you to provide Basically, us with, with traffic. Right. They said, okay, if you recommend a certain product, they mm-hmm. say, we know most people are just going to buy it through us anyways. So instead of giving you 10%, we're just going to give you three. We don't need you. Right. And they just did that like that. And that's kind of going back to our whole thing of like, this is why you don't want to rely 
on right. major right. companies like Amazon or Google or whoever because they mm -hmm. don't care. They well, but that's the same care. thing. They'll like, cut you off like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like Google AdSense. I mean, we have our own experience with that where we were having a number of websites with AdSense revenue and then one day they banned their account. They canceled it for, I mean, this is like many years ago, but it's like they give you no explanation. It's like, and you try to get an explanation saying, hey, I, I don't know what, what we did. Or I even mean, YouTubers. I mean, it happens all the time with YouTubers. Right. Where they just get one strike, one whatever, or their content's not deemed family-friendly, whatever, and all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. their money just drops you, like You that. lose control, which is one of the things that we always tell our clients. You want to have multiple channels, sources of revenue, different channels, but you always want to have control. So when one of them that you don't control cuts you off, yeah, okay, it's a little stream of revenue that you lose and you can adapt and get something else, but you never lose your main revenue. So it happened before with Facebook when they were basically with the famous uh, likes and followers and all that stuff and major corporations and major companies like Nike had a million followers and they were seeing everything and then the organic um, impressions or organic um, uh, views basically was down to like 5%, 3%, and all of a sudden... Right, I mean, it's they even happening disappear. on Instagram, too. Right, exactly. I mean, you can see, exactly. I see it across the board on tons of, especially they do it to business accounts. It's, it's becoming more of a pay-to-play model. Right, they do it to where, business accounts because they right. want you to spend money on ads. Right. Where Instagram used to be pretty good for organic reach. Like, mm -hmm. you, when you get a following on Instagram, you used to be able to reach a lot of them. Right. Uh, now, it's not as bad as Facebook, but really, I mean, it's only like, I've from what I've seen, is like 8 to 10%. So whatever followers you have, only 8 to 10% of mm -hmm. them are actually going to see your organic posts where it used to be like 40%. Yeah. I mean, it's totally dropped off and it keeps going down. And obviously that was predicted because they did the same thing with Facebook. Facebook now, it's like 1%. Yeah, it's crazy. It's very limited. Yeah. But right, yeah, David. I mean, it's... I just think it's another sign of like, this is why you don't rely on other, especially a company, big companies like that who don't give a shit about you. Right, right. All right, buddy. Um, we've been talking for almost an hour and a half. I'm sure we have other things going on now. So, uh, but I do want to, um, you know what? I actually think it's been a while since we've talked about streaming stuff and I'm very curious about TikTok too, which I'm not very familiar with, but you are. Um, Snapchat, I don't know exactly how they're doing now as far as competing with all these um, streaming video sources and all that so why don't we leave that for the next uh for next week in addition to other topics that we didn't get to but i think it's been um it's been good it's been good hopefully next week we'll have more uh clarification on the reopening of the country or how that's going to work and obviously every week we're closer to the end of this whatever the end is so i'm always optimistic any uh final words for you david no stay safe Hey, give Quibi a shot. I'd love to hear what people say. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, let us know what you think. I mean, uh, they're, they've added more content now. So I don't like with... to root against anybody, okay? I, I don't want to come off as negative, but I have to be honest. Especially when you've raised <clears throat> billions and are spending billions, you know, there's critique that comes with that. And like I said, I give my strategies away from my royalty checks. Either, either way, at the end of the day, as we know, it's very hard to compete with the big monsters like the, the Facebooks, the Googles, the obviously YouTube and, and all those. So um, I actually root for companies like this that have private investor money to see they can make it. But we'll see, you know. We'll see. So anyways, that's it for today. Thank you for uh, watching or listening, whatever medium you use. And um, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. See ya.